Alright, uh, I'm going to do my best to talk loud. Loudly, thank you. <laughs> um, because, well, of course we don't have a sound system. And so, is this about the right volume for y'all? Can everybody hear me? A little louder? Uh, you want to move up? Would that help? I'll do my best to talk as loud as I can. Um, and actually, I, I wanted to start off, we're, we're going to start a new series this morning where we're going to be looking at, uh, at the kingdom man. Like, what is, what is a man supposed to be like in, in God's kingdom? If you're reflecting God's kingdom um, as, as a man, like, how, how does that play out? And for those of y'all who aren't men, um, this sermon will connect with you, don't worry, there's, there's stuff here. Um, but I'm specifically looking at, at this topic for the next few weeks. And, and the reason is, um, well, actually, I'm going to start with a little, little football. Anybody follow football? I don't. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not an athlete. I, I was terrible at athletics as a child. Um, and, and so I, I, I try. I'll generally watch the Super Bowl. Um, and it, it just, I can't be interested in sports. I try, but I can't. I, I know it's a disability. Um, <laughs> um, the... The thing that I do enjoy about football, like, like, and, and it's not much, sorry, other than watching in person oh, in a sure. stadium, that's pretty cool. Um, but the thing that I really do enjoy about football is every once in a while you'll have where um, there's a controversial call. You know what I'm talking about? And I'll talk about it on the news for weeks, about that field goal that would have put this team in the playoffs, but it was called funny, or, or that safety that wasn't a safety because of this rule, and... And, you know, you'll hear the commentators sit down, and I'll actually turn on sports radio for this. It's not often. But, but you'll hear them sit down and discuss the, the, how to properly interpret the rules for this difficult, you know, call that they had to make. And I think that's cool. Mainly because you know that rep is having the worst week ever. <laughs> People are leaving, like, like dead animals on his lawn and threatening him. And stuff is, you know, you ruined my team's chance at the playoffs, you know? And, and really... You, you watch a football game, and that, that's kind of interesting to me. Like, you've got three teams that are out there, right? You've got the home team, usually, right? Um, you have the visitors. Um, one team is the good guys, and one team is the bad guys, right? And then you got the third team. Who's the third team? The refs, right? And ideally, the refs play for their own team. Um, if the refs play for either team, it, it screws the game up, Right? And yet, have you all seen games where the refs are clearly, everybody's seen a game where the refs are clearly on the wrong side, right? Because they're never on your side. <laughs> or you don't notice when they are, I think, I don't know, maybe. Um, but, but the refs represent a different interest, right? The refs represent the interest of the home office in New York, the NFL, right? That's where their office is in New York, right? I, I read that just the other day for this. I didn't know that well. And, and as long as they represent those interests, they're okay. I mean, that sounds about right, right? And, and in order to represent those interests, they have a book of rules, right? And guidelines and, and ways that they're supposed to act and, and everything else and ways the players are supposed to act. And they have to interpret those rules. And, and their job is to stand between the two teams and, and apply the rules. Now, every once in a while, and this is why I love the Bosch call, right? Because it's, it's great TV. Um, every once in a while, you'll see where a ref will step up and he'll make a call based on not the book, but based on him being dumb in the moment, right? You know, or he'll just do something 
just ridiculous. I, I never uh, I never played sports in high school, but I, I refereed, I umpired baseball for a little while, and I on a regular basis I think about the worst call I ever made, where where this guy was passing the third baseman on the way to third base, and and it was a short grounder, and the third baseman picked it up, bobbled it, and dropped it, and it looked to me like the runner hit the third baseman on the way past. Um, which in, in Little League, I guess, I don't know if it's this way in regular baseball, but in Little League baseball, if you make contact with the guy who's making contact with the ball, you're out. And I called him out, and it resulted in a different outcourse of the game. And about three days later, I got a call from the guy who was running the league to tell me I wouldn't be umpiring anymore because there was no contact between players. And I made a call, like, and I was completely out of left field. No, no rule book supports my call. I was just wrong. Right? And my little brother was on that team, and I remember he got up in my face, and I almost kicked him out. It would have been the best moment of my life. <laughs> I hope he listens to this sermon. <laughs> anyway, um, but, but like, like, you only have backing as an umpire, right, if you represent the interest of the rule and the home office. And as we look at, at what it means to be men in this world, what it is that God calls men to be, we're going to talk about it from this perspective. Because um, initially, God created man to fulfill a specific role of the world. Now, we're actually going to start in Genesis. If you, uh, if you have a Bible, you can open it up and, and follow along. Um, this is Genesis 1, 26 to 28. And I, I love Genesis. Um, it's one of those books that, that I think I've touched on this before, but you're going to hear me go back to Genesis over and over again. Because when you look at the creation of things, you start to get a sense for why they're made the way they are, right? Um, then God said, this is the sixth day, he's created all sorts of stuff, and he, on the sixth day he says, then God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And female, he created them. Um, we're going to pause here a second. So, um, whose image has God made man in? In his own image, right? Now, that doesn't mean that man is God, right? Because there's a difference there. Like, clearly there are some things that he can do that we can't, right? And there are a couple of things that go along with this in his image. First off, Man is without sin at this point, right? Like, he hasn't disobeyed the rules. He is holy and pure at this point. Everybody with me? Nothing is wrong with the world. It's exactly as it was meant to be. So that's, that's the first thing. In God's image, he's holy and pure. But the other thing is the giveaway in the previous passage. He's in charge, right? Because God is, well, he's God. I mean, you know, and he's used to being in charge of things, right? Like, he has, he has dominion and authority, um, the, the word used here, actually, um, right here, is, is Elohim, right, which means creator God. Um, a little later on, we start seeing him referred to by um, Yahweh, right, or, or Yahweh Elohim. And that, that refers to his authority and the fact that he's in charge. And so the other half of what we find here is Adam, right, man, is put on the earth and he's given dominion. He is in charge. And his natural order of things is to be in charge. Like, this is how he's created. Like, and if you know men, like men, oftentimes they, they take charge of stuff, right? Whether they should or shouldn't. 
Um, one of my, my wife posted this on her Facebook page. Some of y'all may have seen it, where this man is sitting with his, with his wife or girlfriend or whatever on the couch, and she's got a big ten-penny nail sticking out of her forehead, and she's talking about her feelings. And it hurts so much, and I just feel like I can't. He's like, well, why don't we go to the hospital and get that nail taken out? And she says, why can't you just listen? <laughs> why do you have to fix me? Because we're men, we fix things, right? You know, you, you, you see something wrong, what do you do? You break out the tools and you fix it. It's, or you break it worse and you buy something better. Because <laughs> that's how God made us, right? We take charge of things, we pick stuff up, we take dominion. And, and you know, any man, like you see it in, in you know, the great artists of the world, right? Like we create, right? Or I say we as though I'm one of them, because you know I am. <laughs> you see it. You see it in managers. You see it in, in men as they as they deal with their families when they live in their ideal, in their sweet spot, in the place God created them to be. Right? They they take dominion. Now, mind you, this is not totalitarianism. Right? Adam has dominion over the earth. It doesn't mean that Adam can set it on fire if he feels like it. Right? Why? Well. Because Adam represents somebody else's interests. Whose interest does Adam represent? God's interest, right? So God puts Adam there. Adam's in charge. Adam can't do whatever he wants. But he can do whatever he wants within the context of God's design, right? So one of the first things we can pick up just out of this little bit here is that dominion, like that, that rulership, that ownership that man has created in him, um, is a reflection of God's interest and dominion in the world, right? Just think referees, right? Referee makes his own calls, he's in trouble, right? The ref shows up for the Super Bowl with the Australian rules, or is it Canadian rules football? That's not soccer, right? Okay, just checking. <laughs> and, he, and he runs it by the fake rules. The NFL is going to be ticked off at him, right? I call them fake rules if it's Canadian anyway. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so we're going to go on. Um, God blessed them and said to them, sorry, it was awkward, uh, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the, of the sky and over every other living thing that moves on the earth. So it gives them one basic command, right? Go out, or two, go out and have kids, right? That's a fun command. Um, and then the other command is... Um, take care of the world, right? And he's got to do those two things. So he does have guidelines right out of the gate. He can't say, you know what? The world's going to take care of itself. I'm going to invent daytime television. <laughs> you know? And he'll check out, and that'll be it. And Adam doesn't get to do that. He's got a job, right? And he represents a certain interest in authority. We move on. This is Genesis 2, 19 to 20. Out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. So what is Adam doing? He's naming, right? Somewhere in this building, there's a little guy named Titus, right? Who picked that name? I did. Right? With my wife's permission. Anyway. <laughs> but, but if I were to say... Um, from now on, I don't know, uh, I don't like Beer Wagon as a last name. Your last name is now Stewart. Got that, Dwayne? In fact, I don't like Dwayne either. Bill Stewart. Everybody got that? Bill Stewart. Anybody going to change his name? 
what do I, why can't I change his name if I want? I just don't have the authority, right? I don't have any dominion. This is not my realm of influence. I might start calling him Bill Stewart, and if I do it long enough, some other people might do it, because I might influence the people around me in a negative way, which I would never do. Uh, but in the end, I don't have that authority. So we see further, Adam is set out in the field, and God starts bringing him the animal, and he's like, cow, right? Octopus, platypus, um, you know, land monster, I don't know, whatever. Um, but, but the fact that he's naming is an extension of his dominion, right? He's still without sin, he's still in charge, and things are still the way they were meant to be. And Adam rules over the world the way he's meant to rule over the world, because it's how he's designed. Is he killing the animals for fun at this point? Um, is he kicking them around? Not really, right? He's not, he's not doing anything he's not supposed to do. Is he polluting the land? Is he chopping down trees because he wants a, a nice little area to like set his dad? Like, he's not doing that stuff. He's fulfilling his, his calling. I don't beat that one to death, but be aware, like, dominion. This, this plays out here. Um, the man gave them names to all the cattle and the birds of the sky and the, every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was found no helper suitable for him. Um, so what God does is God makes another person out of Adam's rib, right? And this, this, is, this is women, right? And, and so the best birthday gift ever shows up. Um, and, and Adam stops. He says, the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she has taken out of me. What's he done? Named her, right? Um, now understand, there's some people sitting right now who are saying, this jerk is the most sexist man in the world, and I'm going to beat him up in the parking lot. I'm leaving with Ross, and he's bigger than all of you. Just be aware. He may not help me, but <laughs> he may help you, but that's a gamble you'll have to take. It, this is not a sexist line. This is about power design, right? You want to see a man outside of, of his ideal spot, right? Find a man who's under the heel of someone else. And you'll find a man outside of his ideal spot. It's just not how we're made. Men are made to be a certain way, and this is how it plays out. It was never intended to be a crushing dictatorship. It's just dominion, right? So we're going to move on. Um, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, and the Lord that the Lord God had made. I'm going to kind of run along, so I'm going to jump through this. The serpent approaches Eve, right? And he has this discussion about, hey, did God really say you couldn't eat off any tree? Uh, by the way, there's a little trick hidden in the, in the Hebrew here, where the snake doesn't refer to God as um, Lord, right? What we would understand is the word Lord. He doesn't acknowledge it God's authority, right? He just refers to him as creator. Um, and, and this is sort of a shift in the text. And it's very subtle, and you don't catch it in English. So the snake says, well, hey, this guy over here, he... Did he really say this? Do you think he could actually get away with this? And, and he basically talks Eve into eating the fruit off the trees. The one rule they had, right? Part of Adam's rule book he's supposed to play by. And um, then the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die, for God knows that the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. By the way, this is a lie, right? You'll be like God. They're already like God. Right? It's like... You know, me offering Wade, hey, Wade, if you do what I want, you can drive your 
But but he, he offered him something that was a, a crummy deal, and this is usually the way it plays out with, with you know these deals. We think we're going to get everything we want, and all we have to do is one thing wrong, and oftentimes it's a it's a bum deal, and this is a bum deal. Um, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And then she gave to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Where's Adam at? He's sitting there for the whole thing. So he's listening to, to the woman and the snake have a conversation about the rule book. And what does Adam say to stop it? Nothing. Um, does Adam say, whoa, 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 I got the rule book and I know how this works and you are out of line, buddy. No. Adam sacrifices his dominion in the moment. And who knows why? Ultimately, Adam is blamed, right? Because Adam is in charge. Um, and the fact of the matter is, you know, we may try to push things downhill and make it so the guy at the bottom of the ladder is in trouble instead of us. In reality, when God comes to it, if you're in charge, you're responsible, Right? In God's like like world, um, the buck stops with with Adam because he's he's got dominion and he doesn't say anything. And from this point forward, things start going wrong because Adam fails to act in his dominion. Um, we move on. God finds them. He starts handing out punishment. And in Genesis three sixteen, he says to the woman, he said, "I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth." Every woman say, thanks a lot. Um, in pain you will bring forth children, and your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Um, one of the, like, like Eve's curse, right? Eve's curse is that she ends up in this spot where all of a sudden her husband can put his foot down, and there's nothing she can do about it. Because his dominion all of a sudden is tainted by sin, Right? And now there's no stopping it. It'll do whatever it wants. And sometimes it does. You know, when we see men who, who fail to act appropriately in their family, that's, that's the first sin playing out, right? That's the curse playing out. It's not an excuse. It's not okay. But it's a part of the natural state of things. And from here on out, we find that the game keeps going, but the referees all of a sudden are using different rule books. One guy's got the rule book, and the other one's got the Australian rule book, and one's got the, the Canadian rules rule book, and then there's another guy over there who's got the soccer rule book, like that's a game, or a sport, I'm sorry, it is a game, it's not a sport. Um, and, and this plays out, and it's repeatedly emphasized in the scriptures. And just to point to an example, Judges 4 and 5, right, read it at home, it's a great couple chapters, it's about Deborah. Deborah is one of the judges, this is a period when Israel had no ruler, and God would bring forth leaders when they needed leaders. And they called them judges. Everybody with me? Deborah was a woman. Which is why she was named Deborah. Everybody got that? <laughs> Deborah was a judge. She stepped up and ran the whole country for a while. And the generals were supposed to go out and fight battles. And they wouldn't go without her because they were afraid to go into battle without the woman with them. Um, one of the things that's often missed in the book of Judges is... Um, we see where man lives out his failures, and God deals with them as best he can using people. And the story of Deborah, right, is an example of, of a nation where the men have fallen short and no longer live out their calling, no, no longer live out their dominion and their design. They fail. They just quit, and they won't do it. 
And so he says, well, if you guys can't do anything right, I'm going to send a woman to take care of it. Good luck with that. And all the women say, yeah, that's pretty much the way it is at home. <laughs> uh, but it's a judgment against the people of Israel, and it's an insult to them. And they're so weak that they just let it happen. Because there's no one amongst them that's like worthy enough to stand up. Um, we're going to look at Colossians. We're going to kind of work through this. And, and this is an introduction to a series. What we're going to be talking about is we're going to talk about what it is to reclaim that calling from God as men, right? It, it may seem kind of funny, um, <coughs> men specifically for a few weeks, but um, if you look at the church as a whole, right, like, like the church across America, statistically the average church goes a 60-year-old woman, and she's white, right? 60-year-old white woman. Why? Because sometime around the 60s and the 70s, men stopped showing up, right? And because men stopped showing up, um, there were no men living out this calling in the church. Um, one of the things that the church lacks the most is men who live by the dominion, right, that, that calling, and enforce the rule book, right? That's why we have, you turn on the TV right now, you'll see pastors who call for boycott, and protest and anger instead of prayer and loving your neighbor and seeking God to guide us through difficulty. Anybody seen that? Not here. I, I don't do that. It's everybody else. All those other bad preachers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to hell probably. <laughs> we also see, I mean, we see where, where um, families are run by women, right? We see where children are increasingly raised without a man in the house. Right, um, we see where where some men are in the house and they're strangers to the kids. Uh, this is a falling short of the way it was designed to be. Right, it's just not the way it was meant to be. And so we're going to look at what God calls us to do as people. Right. Um, all right. So Colossians three. If then you were raised together with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are upon the earth. Um, now, Paul is talking, we did Colossians 2 last week. That will be online if my wife ever uploads it. See, that's me passing the blame. Um, <laughs> but, but Paul is continuing his discussion of, of how we become new people in Christ. And he says, listen, Christ died, your sin died with him, your old self died with him, and then you, the believer are raised to new life, okay? So you're like this new person who's raised from the dead, right? And we're supposed to set our set our sights on Jesus, who's at the right hand of God. Why does that matter? Well, the king's right hand man, right? That's a position of power, and it's a position of authority. So what he's given us here is, Jesus is powerful, and Jesus is in charge. Um, and one of the things we get from Paul over and over again is that Jesus is the model for new men. This is what we're supposed to emulate, right? So look up to Christ, because Christ is powerful, and Christ is authoritative. And when he says, listen, set your mind on things that are above. Um, this is translated very funny and in a very varied way, okay? There's no word for heart, um, like, like it's used often in the Bible, right? But the way that the sentence is structured, it's implied that this is heart instead of mind. Um, and it's actually sort of a standing in between, right? And so it would be like, set your heart on things above. And actually the proper way to translate it should be, 
delight in the things that are above. Think about them, love them, enjoy them, right? Live this way. Look up and live this way. This is how we're designed. Um, so look to Jesus, look at the things that are above you, and delight in them. For you died and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall be manifested, then you also with him will be manifested. Meaning, um, the part of you that is a new man is hidden in him, right? All of us, men, women, all of us. The part of us that's brand new in Christ is hidden in him. You don't see it, right? When Jesus comes again, you're going to see it. Very simple passage. Um, Put to death, therefore, your members which are upon this earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake comes the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience, wherein you also once walked, when you lived in these things, but now do you also put them away, put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, railing, shameful speaking out of your mouth. Um, what he's talking about here, he says, listen, if you're this new creation, here's, here's the rule book. Stop living this way, right? Um, how does this work out? First, you have to intentionally not do it. Right? I mean, that sort of works out a certain way. Like, if I get mad at people, like, I, sometimes I get mad at people, none of you here, I'm just saying in general. Um, if I sit and ponder on that, focus on it, and dig into it, I'm not living in this, right? I'm not living in the new creation. I'm living in the old self that's supposed to be dead, right? Instead, I need to put that to death. i got to figure out how to love people. i got to figure out how to bless people. Um, and so Paul is saying, listen, be new people. Don't be the people that you were before, which is where God's wrath is coming. Lie not to one, one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his doings, and have put on the new man that is being renewed unto the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Um, this, is, this is where I'm going with all of this, okay? So if you're going to focus it all at the second half, here's the time. I know I'm going along, it's getting warm. Um, he says, listen, you put off that old self, this new self is what you want to put on, like a suit, right? But instead of a suit, it's you. So put on the new you. And the new you is in the image of Christ, right? The image of the way you were meant to be. The old self with all its sin and all its garbage is gone. It's dead. Don't sit in the death that was behind you. Put on this new thing, right? For men, how does this play out? Well, as godly men, as godly men, we're supposed to pick up our calling and what we were created for. And we're supposed to represent him in this world, right? Not according to what we want, but according to the rule book that he hands us, right? The biggest thing that the church and this nation struggles with is men don't live out this dominion. Um, and we're going to look for the next few weeks at how you take this on and how you live this life. Everybody with me? It was a long introduction. <laughs> Um, final verse there, uh, where there cannot be Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, citizen, bondman, freeman, but Christ is all and in all. Meaning, all of the divisions, everything that we used to do to keep us separated, that's all gone, right? What do we do instead? We're Christ. We take on the image of Christ. We live the image of Christ. We don't point fingers. We don't separate. We don't divide. We take dominion. We take leadership. We become new, forgiven, like people in Christ. Because the old self is dead, and the new self is coming. 
And it's a process, right? Every day, every day, every day we work at it. Um, my challenge to you this week as we get ready for that last song that we're going to do, right? Um, my challenge for you this week is ask yourself, am I living out what God created me to be? Or am I living my own rule book? Have I got the Canadian rules football thing out and I'm saying, all right, this is what this is what I want. Nobody wants Canadian rules football, but it's just an analogy. <laughs> this is, you know, are we living out how Christ called us to be? Are, are we living out as men who God has called to be godly men? We're doing our own thing. Um, next week we're going to start digging into the topic, like how do you live this out? What do you do? Um, we're going to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would uh, be with us this week, that you would hear the, the cries of our hearts, that you would uh, convict us where we need to be convicted, that you would move us to know you more, um, to lean on you in all things, um, and to be Christ-like in our families, in our workplace, and in the lives of those we encounter. In Christ's name.